this is a interesting episode of the sideline guys i'm the only uh member <laughs> on the episode today but uh host derek myers i am being joined uh with natalie this is someone that i would like to introduce you guys to you will be here you hopefully you'll be hearing from her a little bit more um she is a basketball basketball connoisseur <laughs> Am I? Okay, that's high praise. I'll I'll give you that. So someone someone that that knows her hoops. So welcome welcome to the show, Nat. Thank you, Derek. I appreciate you having me. Yes, thank you for coming on. (laughs) Uh, We we are we're gonna get into the playoffs because everyone, this will be a basketball episode. You know, we're not we're not doing anything with football today. But um, we'll we'll get we'll discuss the playoffs in a second. Tell us how you got into basketball. Ah, uh, you know, I got into basketball when I was really young. Um, Magic Johnson is the mm-hmm. reason I fell in love with basketball. I mean, probably if my brother didn't expose me to it, I was kind of a little bit of a tomboy growing up. So I actually was really into basketball, football. You know, if you have a, a sibling that's older and if you're a girl and he's a boy, most of us have the experience of like, you kind of follow your brother. So like my brother used to practice like the WWF moves on me and like, you know, slam me and turn all those things over. And I used to play double dribble dating myself. And (laughs) I used to like, you know, do video games and everything. So whatever my brother did, I followed. And so he was really into all different sports and definitely the one that got the most attention in my household was, was basketball. And so, um, big, big Magic Johnson fans, and in turn, that made me a Laker fan, you know, which is crazy, because you know the team that I support now is the, the Warriors, <laughs> but um, I was a huge Magic Johnson fan, and I, I got to watch him play when I was younger, not in person, but on the TV, Kareem, Worthy, all those guys, and he just the way that you hear little kids talk about Steph and the way that they just like their eyes light up and they're just like, oh my God. And it's like, he's, you know, that's what it was. I mean, to watch Maddie Johnson was a thing of art. And I feel like it's unfortunate that I feel like a lot of like the younger generation doesn't actually appreciate you know his game like when I hear them say things like LeBron is as good a passer as magic I'm like so offended because like it's not even about LeBron like there's no one who's as good a passer as magic like the way that like Steph Curry is the best shooter to play the game and then there's everyone else that's what magic is when you talk about passing he is the best pastor that's ever played this game and so um it's it to watch it was just like it would just be in his hand and then not and and you're like where did it go and so that's how I fell in love with it initially and um I just from there on then I started to learn and teach myself you know my brother had the people he liked I started to like understand basketball learn it pay attention to it and then I started to have like my own teams and who I liked and my own players and that just evolved over time to me um, discovering Stephen Curry, my second love. And um, I, I was kind of hip to, to Steph kind of early, um, probably before like the big, big, not probably before the big championships, maybe not before everyone. I think if you were following him from Davidson or obviously if you were a Warriors fan, like lifelong, you knew about him, but definitely before the masses, before the masses caught up to Steph, I was like mm-hmm. into him and I saw something special in him. I'm like, man, this guy, like 
he's coming. The NBA's ready. And I have the receipts. Like, that's the text messages I really used to say this. And uh, I just thought he was special. And when they finally started to make their run, like, the level of joy, it's probably better than getting, like, high on crack. I don't know. I've never smoked crack, but... I'm just saying, like it, like the elation that I felt and I still do from watching him play is like, you know, and so then like you're following him and then the team. And so you see Clay coming up and watching from the phase of clay ups <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to actually becoming clay and and watching Dre and and then getting Andre and like you 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 grow up with those guys and um they became my team. Absolutely. Like it, it wasn't like a, just Steph is my guy, but they're my team. And so that's kind of my evolution of basketball love. Wow. So <clears throat> you're a Warriors fan. Warriors fan. I have like, I have a, I have a love too for the the Celtics. You know, you're not allowed to admit you like more than one team, but yeah. I definitely have a love for the Celtics. They're like my East coast team. And then I have the Warriors. I definitely don't like when they play each other. Um, but, um, yeah. And then I have like players that I like, but those, those are my two squads. So, so you wouldn't, you wouldn't consider yourself a Lakers fan anymore? No, mm -mm. I haven't been for years. I mean, I try to still follow them after Matt. And again, I was young, you know, when you're young, you go through a lot of different things. I mean, there was definitely a phase I was not watching basketball a lot because like boys were much more important to me, you know, like (laughs) you go through different phases of life. So, um, and interestingly enough, I never really like became a huge Kobe fan like other people. So you would have thought maybe Kobe would have like brought me back, but he really didn't. So it was kind of just like, then I was truly just like a fan of the sport. Like you'd admire different players, AI, different people. Cause I went to school in Philly too. So AI was kind of like a big thing. Cause like he'd come on Temple's campus and he'd have like a fucking car and all the dudes. Sorry, excuse my language. All the guys that would be like, yo, so you know I remember when like all-star weekend was in Philly and I went that year. So it was, you know, so it was just more like a fan of the game. And different players. Like, I've always appreciated the Spurs. I, I always thought that when people said they were boring, it was crazy to me. I, I appreciated play, Tim Duncan. Like, I loved it. I thought it was, like, the most beautiful version of, of, of basketball. And so um, I definitely had, like, other squads and things that I've appreciated, but I would have never said, like, that's my team, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, I would say the Warriors are my team, and I have a very, very deep love for the C's. You know, I loved the 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 big three plus Vondo Celtics, and I really, really enjoy um, this Tatum and, and Jalen version. So we'll see where they go. So, being in the the playing tournament, mm-hmm. what was like your what were your thoughts on that then? Having to see them go through that whole thing, I was pissed. Like, I mean, I was pissed that they were even in the playing tournament. Um, you know, I, if you follow me on Twitter or seen me, I'm natfluential on Twitter and, um, I am not a big fan of Steve Kerr. <laughs> so, Thank you for saying that. <laughs> Cause I've always thought he was kind of overhyped. Not, not oh, saying that he's God. not a yeah. good basketball mind, but the idea of of him coming in and being the the driving force behind that those championships 
I never bought into that. No, he got he got way too much credit. And um, even though he does credit Mark Jackson um, for their kind of defensive mindset, because they were a good defensive team under Mark Jackson. Um, I think there's a lot of things that get ignored with Steve Kerr. And I mean, that's just people in general, right? That's the way people evaluate things. If something was yeah, one way yeah. before, and then this big, like, he's the only change that happened. And then they're like, really great after everything else gets ignored. I mean, it's kind of like what you see what they're doing with Chris Paul and Phoenix, right? Like everyone's attributing their success this year rather than overlooking, they have Monty now, um, the progress they've made each year, mm -hmm. what they look like in the bubble. They were a fringe playoff team to me anyway. In the East, they would be a playoff team. Oh, yeah. If the season continued and they had a full season, they might have still slipped into the playoffs. So that's what I mean. Like people ignore all of that. And then they say like, you know, they ignore like how Devin Booker has improved, the leaps everyone has taken. And they just said, no, nope, it's all Chris Paul. Look at what he does everywhere he goes. It's him. He's the reason. And I'm not disputing Chris Paul's impact or what he brings to the team. I don't think he rate, first of all, and we have to also be realistic about the fact that they're a two seed. They're not really a two seed. They're probably more of like a, middle of the pack kind of team four at best i think maybe three but the lakers had injuries the clippers had injuries i don't think they were going to be a better team than utah and denver is like right there a fully healthy denver team i think might be better than you know them so i really don't think they're higher than four to be honest and they had some things that worked their way to make them a two seed. So people were just like, oh, they weren't in the playoffs last year and they're a two seed. Okay, like they're not a real two seed. Let's, yeah. let's, we can use like common sense when we discuss them. And he didn't raise, like if anything you're saying, he maybe raised them from being like a seven or eight seed to being like a four seed, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's his impact arguably. But I don't think it was, he took them from not in the playoffs to, the second seed and so it's the same thing with Kerr go ahead no no that, that, I was just saying I was about to say that was, that's a good point yeah so like with Kerr it's like all right he comes and first of all that first year when um if you think back to like Steph in the 2013 playoffs right mm -hmm. that was their first playoff run right mm -hmm. and this is why I kind of like chuckle because it like that season they won what I want to say it was like around 47 games something like that 46 47 they were like just under 50 games but the year before they'd won like 23 so like <laughs> the, ma the 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 massive leap you know that was in that was in Mark Jackson's second year there mm -hmm. but it was the first year that the keys were handed to Steph mm -hmm. and so they you know Monte's gone, the, the team is Steph's, and they take this big leap. So that's why it's always laughable to me when people are like, Steph had to prove he can carry a team, you know, and then they'll tell me like, Clay Thompson was on the team and Dre, and ignore the fact that like Dre was coming off the bench then, and Clay certainly wasn't who he was now. None of the three of them were even all stars. Then they'll bring up that like David Lee was an all star. Okay, like I'm not. And he got hurt later anyway down the line in that playoff run. Like they were not, people did not predict them. If you go back and you look at the season predictions for them at that time, people did not 
predict them to be where they are. They were going up against the Denver Nuggets that first round. Everyone had the Nuggets. No one had the Warriors. They beat the Nuggets in the next round, took the Spurs six games with mad injuries, mm-hmm. you know, plus Steph hurting his ankle. The Spurs had no answer for him. Like, that was on his 2013 playoff run is so underrated. So to me, like the fact that like that gets overlooked, that that happened under Mark Jackson, because what I do think that Mark Jackson did for Steph and even Clay was that he gave them confidence. And I'm not saying that Steph wasn't confident because like, honestly, like he almost took Davis into the final four. So like, let's, let's be real when we're, when we're talking about him, but like he, you know, when he said they're the best shooting backcourt, everyone like laughed at him and said he was crazy, but he was like, man, y'all are the shit. You know what I'm saying? Like he hyped them up. And I, I, I do think it goes a long way when your coach believes in you, you know, and when that coach is someone like Mark Jackson. And so, um, you know, they, they, that, you know, so I know that people felt it was like a letdown after that year for them to lose to the Clippers in the first round, but the Clippers were a great team. That series went seven. Again, there were injuries. Like when people just ignore everything else and they're just like, they, they lost in the first round. And I mean, I think the bigger issue was really that like Mark Jackson wasn't getting along with management. And so they let him go and all these stories, which I'm sure are not by accident leaked about him. And, um, you know, people just make it seem like he was this crazy man. And I, I wasn't involved. I'm not in the situation. But the one thing I want to say about that, which I think gets lost, is that the NBA is still a business. So people are just like, it's sports, it's whatever. But it's a business. And the front offices of the NBA, they function more like business, like corporate America, than any other aspect of the NBA. And I I think people need to look at that situation from the lens of Mark Jackson being like a black man operating in that situation. Like people think he's a conspiracy theorist and he thought all these things, but a lot of black people function like that in corporate America. We don't trust them. We record conversations. We think they're out to get us. And there are things that they show where you're like, "Mm, I think these people are out to get me. And so I'm not going to sit up here and just say like he was crazy for some of his beliefs, whether he handles everything the right way you know, everyone's going to have a different view on that. But I can certainly see a situation where he's like, because if if you look at the way that Warriors operate now, it's very clear that like Joe Lacob and the management want to be a part of everything. They want to be involved in all the decision-making. And I'm not saying that that collaborative style is necessarily wrong, but I can also understand why someone who is an NBA coach who played in the NBA is like, why am I listening to like what you guys have to say about the way that I coach my team. And then maybe, yes, he's not the right fit, but I didn't like the way that he was, um, you know, then turned to be like this pariah and this kook and like he didn't accomplish anything. So you have all of that as the backdrop. And now Steve Kerr comes in, who by the way, was gonna take a job with the Knicks. And I guarantee you, if he took that job, he'd be back on TNT working, right? And so, he, he takes the job with the Warriors instead, right? And it's a year now that like the year before Steph just became an all-star. We saw Draymond in the Clippers series and we're like, what? Clay is starting to like 
come into his own, right? And um, people ignore that. And people ignore that Steph was just starting to get close to the age where players are hitting their peak and, and all of those things. So, like, my belief is that even if Mark Jackson was there, I can't say for sure that they would have won a championship, but I think they would have met much further than the first round barring injury. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that um, the natural progression of where their games were going to go, you know, it was, it was really clear as day to anyone after you saw Draymond in that Clippers series that he should be starting. So I don't think that like Mark Jackson was going to come back the next year and like run it back the same way. Right. And so um, I think that people ignore all that. And so Steve Kerr comes in, he puts in this offense or, you know, this, yeah, I mean, it's really more the offense, not saying that he didn't bring defense, but he, he upgrades the offense, which is what really probably needed the most upgrading and they they win 67 games they go on this like kind of like ridiculous run that no one saw and by the way that no one really took seriously because even that year after they won and they came back in 2016 they were not the Vegas favorites the Cavaliers were and I think people had the Spurs like second they were like third people thought their ring was kind of fluky and, um, you know, that, that was the whole idea of why they even gave Andre Iguodala the, the finals MVP. I mean, there was, there was a lot of reasons behind it um, to try to make the award about Braun, who defended him, all of this kind of stuff. But it was also a narrative. It was a fun story. Andre Iguodala took a back seat to become the sixth man and this great group. They're so collaborative and they play together. And so let's give this role player all respect to Andre Iguodala, the finals MVP where Stephen Curry outplayed LeBron James, the final three games of those series. Like no one talks about how ridiculous he was those final three games of the 2015 finals, like ridiculous. And so, um, People really still didn't like accept Steph for a lot of reasons. He's a jump shooter. He's a shooter only. He's light skinned. People don't want to say that. He's not athletic, but all these like stupid ass reasons why people had their biases towards him. But they just, everyone thought he was like great, but they, they weren't ready yet to ex- accept him as an all time great. And that's, that's really what it was. And so all of the credit was given to Kerr. Kerr did this. Kerr made him this. Kerr, 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 Kerr. And like, the system is not for Steph. The system is Steph. It's built on Steph. Steph can do work in a high, you know, a system that uses a lot of pick and roll. He can work in this system. Steph can work in the half court, even though people for some reason think he can't. Like, he can do whatever. The system is for the others. The system is about making elevating the play of the other guys and so this whole thing kind of got lost you know it was kind of like Kawhi before he broke free right people said he was a system player he's like a you know like this this need to attribute coaches with the success kind of same thing with like Belichick and and Brady versus the player and so Kerr just got overcredited with a lot of stuff and I get it it was a big jump the, you know they had won just a little bit over 50 games and went to 67 but I say it's a comparable jump to the jump that Mark Jackson made 
in his second year, right? And we overlook that. But then, you know, and I get it that Kerr's ended with a finals, but like Mark Jackson didn't have, I don't think all the time to show that he could have maybe won a finals, you know? And look, I don't even love Mark Jackson's analysis on on TV. So like, I can get why people are just like, I'm glad he's not the coach because he doesn't say like the best things. And he has a very old school mentality about um, basketball. But I will say this, Mark Jackson would have been a better coach for this year's Warriors team than Steve Kerr because Steve Kerr, some would argue, like is really only good if he has like the top, top talent. And I'm kind of like, well, if that's what you need to be a good coach, then why am I considering you a good coach? You're just like every other mediocre white man who gets like the credit like for doing things like way above like what you actually do, you know? And of course, I'm never going to sit here and say, I know more than Steve Kerr. He's a championship player. He's a championship coach. He played in the NBA, but I also can know like when we're giving too much credit to someone and that's what I think happens with Steve Kerr. So I'm not a fan of him and I'm not a fan of him, not just based on this season, but also based on past seasons. And so like people who might be new to like Dub's Twitter or to following me, they might think that Warriors fans just started like disliking Kerr this year. It's not a this year thing. We had our issues and we've been critiquing him even during the winning seasons. Um, and I was pissed because I feel like largely it's the org's fault and his fault why they were even in a play-in situation. You know, his refusal to play Steph a couple of extra minutes, the we're not chasing wins comments, like all the stupid shit throughout the season. And the thing about that chasing wins comment was like, this is so ridiculous because if you don't chase wins, which I'm not sure what else we're doing and playing the game for, but like, if you don't chase wins, you're going to end up having him play extra games anyway at the end of the season yeah. because you're, you're going to be a fringe playoff team. And that's literally what happens, right? And you end up having a situation where like the most highly rated watch player, and he, he, he played in five of the top 10 NBA's highest rated games. So this is not something people can dispute, you know, that the bronze fans can get mad up. It's just facts. He draws ratings, he draws eyes. And you have that player not in the playoffs. Like in all respect to Ja, cause credit to him, you know, he did what he needed to do. But I think most people would prefer to see the Warriors, particularly Steph, you know, in, in the playoffs playing the Jazz. And so I think that's an unfortunate consequence. And then you also now have the idiots like, oh, look, he couldn't even get them to the, to, the, to the playoffs. They were the eighth spot team. They had the eighth record. No other person had to do that plus do a play-in game. And he was in the eighth spot playing with a super thin team by that point in the season, they'd lost so many guys. They were working an eight-man rotation that included uh, Michael Mulder as a key rotation guy. Like, look at you. You're making your face like, who the fuck is even Michael Mulder? Exactly. Right? Like, his team, and I don't, I don't want to tear down those guys because I, I, I don't believe in that, but he was working with guys who had all been in the G League he was working with no spacing and he was still able to get them there. You know, the fact that Draymond can't make a fucking 
you know, <laughs> shot at the end of the game with the lane wide open, a fucking layup, or just dunk the shit and draw the foul, is somehow Stephen Curry's fault. And then this is what we get these stupid ass narratives about him not being able to get his team to, you know, the playoffs when his win percentage, when he actually played, is higher than Russ's win percentage when he had his MVP season. And it's even a higher percentage than Braun in 2019 when the Lakers didn't make the playoffs. If you just look at the games Braun played in and you just look at the games Russ played in and you just look at the games Steph played in because people also seem to ignore that he missed nine games this season, mostly because of that tailbone, his win percentage is higher than both of theirs. That's a that's a that's a great argument. <laughs> Never even thought about Listen, it. Like I'm I'm well versed yeah. in the arts of uh, arguing for Steph. It also helps that I'm a lawyer, so hey, you know. Yeah, that's hard to beat. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, so yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. I I think um, I think the Warriors going to actually be a lot. I think people are sleeping on the Warriors because of of their situation this year and of course last year. Um, I expect Golden State to be one of the, one of the top teams again next year, and that's mainly because you're getting Clay back. Like you're getting Clay back. If you keep Wiseman, you have him. Um, God knows what your draft picks look like. Golden State, I think, has a has a bright future. I don't think that they're done yet, but personally, I would like to see someone else coach the Warriors. I would like to see. I would like to see an actual. Like I would like to see Mark Jackson come back. To be completely honest, <laughs> I don't think most Warriors fans would welcome Mark Jackson back. But you know, like I know that he's getting a little bit of flack right now. But I would love to see someone like a, a Eric Spolstra. To be honest, I'd like to see someone like a Mike Malone, who used to be on the Warriors staff. You know, um, I. I am a fan of people who I think no matter whether you have the most elite talent or you have like average talent, be able to coach. And I get the argument that there's some people who are just better with the most best talent. And there are some people who I think you'd argue like are really good with like average talent, but then like when they get stars can't, I want the person who's a nice balance of the middle. And to me, the only two coaches that have actually demonstrated that in the NBA are Spo and 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 Pop, of course, but yeah. Pop seems to have maybe lost a little bit since his wife died. Um, yeah. I think it's time to retire. Yeah. So, but like, I think it's Spo, and I think Mike Malone is one to watch because, I mean, like, whether people want to acknowledge Joker or not, like, he's definitely a top five player in the NBA, and he's in the conversation for like top three or four, and so. Um, that's developed under Mike Malone and he's still coaching with Joker. And also they lost several players this, this year and they were still able to climb up from the bottom and then finish as a three seed. And so I think Mike Malone probably doesn't get enough credit for what he's done um and look there could be others out there but um look that's not going to happen but yeah no I'm not I mean I think if the I think if the Warriors under underachieve next year um I think that you will start to hear 
more questions about Kerr. I think he was obviously given a pass last year, and I think he got a second pass this year, but I think many more questions were called in. Um, so, you know, there, there was more to call into question this year about his ability and what he was doing. There were little leaks and things that came out and there didn't seem to be like the front office was always like aligned with him. And so I think there was more of a spotlight shown on where he might have some flaws and what he had to learn. So I definitely know he's going to be there next year, but I, I don't, I don't think he's going to be given another pass to underachieve. And I guess it depends on like what's underachieving because what do we think success looks like? Um, what I don't, what I didn't like about this year and what I don't like about next year is that there's a lot of, you're getting Clay back when Clay comes back. So I feel like some people are severely underrating us. And I feel like some people are severely overrating us. People are like, Clay is going to come back and like, we're just going to like move. And I'm not really comfortable with that because first of all, I don't even think Clay is the only like thing that needs to improve, but, um, because the thing, the thing about Clay, right. And I love me some clay. So, oh God, if Warriors fans hear this, they're going to like, you know, attack me. But clay is, clay is like never criticized. He doesn't catch like any flag. It's game six clay. Clay is cool. And trust me, those game sixes were mad important and we needed them. So he's a legend. I'm not dismissing that. But take a look at like the rest of clay's games and playoff series. Like he's, has not even usually met his regular season totals and averages like he struggled and like when people would argue about katie coming to the warriors one of my counter arguments was always seth never had a real number two like you can say that clay was his number two but i would argue that he wasn't a true number two because if he was why didn't Steve Kerr go to him in the 2016 finals when Steph was struggling? Why weren't more plays called for him? Why didn't he take control? Why didn't that happen? Um, and I'm going to say it's because he didn't have the ability to do that. And the first time that he did show that ability was in 2019. So his 2019 playoffs were crazy. And even when... Kevin Durant got hurt. I say that if Clay never goes down, the Warriors still win. Oh, but, oh they would have won that for, for sure. But once Clay went down, then Toronto could do that box and one. And it was a wrap because uh, Alfonso McKinney and Quinn Cook <laughs> could not make them pay. <laughs> and Andre Iguodala, the finals MVP, who saved Steph you know, couldn't do anything or Draymond, the most important player on the team because these are the guys who are always credited, right, than Steph. It's always he has too much help. So where was all that help when 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 that happened in 2019? Yeah. And so to me, that that shows you always the flaw in the way this team was built because, and look, not every team has like a second person, right? But like, if you look at the great teams, they usually had more than one person, right? And so if you even look at the way the, the team was constructed, when Steph got hurt in 2018, he had like a injury that kept him out for a while. That was the year he made third team. And so KD was the one like who was there. They struggled to stay at 500. 
while Seth was out. And a lot of people took that to like get on Katie. You had like, you know, Stephen A getting on TV and saying, why do they look like this? And maybe Stephen Curry is really their best player. Well, he he is and always was. But that aside, that to me spoke more about Curry's failing, like that it all crumbles if Steph is not there. And to me, that that was problematic. And so when you look at us now, right, there's a chance Clay is still that same player he was in 2019. But if he's not that guy, and I only saw that guy one time, I saw the other guy more times, right? Then I don't think that he's like a true number two. And there's other people who I've talked to who like agree with that and get that. But I think most Warriors fans are like, don't agree with that. I think some may, but I think many don't. And I think, like I said, you always hear game six clay, but like, I'm not a big believer. Look, all stars, all NBAs, all those titles matter, but I'm not a big believer in like, like, like right now, if you think about Luca right now and like the first two games with Dallas and everyone's just like, oh, look at Luca. The Clips can't handle him. Luca, Luca, Luca. Luca, Luca, Luca was great, but look at Luca's production. You had Tim Hardaway Jr. averaging 28. Well, he had 28, one game 21. His regular season numbers were 16 points. Like he was playing way above his level. Like he, and, and there were others. But my point is that he was getting production. So people like to just say, like even when they go back and talk about bronze team, like, oh, look, what did he have? And they want to talk names. I don't give a fuck because like he had Kevin Love and Kevin Love wasn't giving him production, but someone else is. I want to look at was he getting production? And if you're getting the help, who did who did who did um Dirk have when he beat the Heat? Jason Terry, right? And by the way, Jason Terry didn't get the finals MVP. Dirk went to him and said, Listen, hey, Jason, like I need you to do more if we're gonna win this. And Jason Terry stepped up. No one said, Oh, he was the difference. Give him the finals MVP. But anyway, I digress. So, you know, when it comes to Clay, I love, you understand, I love Clay, but I don't look at him through the same lens that everyone did, and I never did. And so when you add, when you compound that with an ACL and an Achilles, one in each leg, you know, I don't think I don't think Clay's shooting is going to ever be affected because he's one of the greatest shooters ever to play the game. Um, but Clay was a two-way player for us. He his defense really mattered. It was really important. And so when people say like he's first of all he's not going to be back to start the season. That's one. Secondly, he's going to be on a minutes restriction, and he should be. I'm not against that. He's going to be right. And so. But do we know if, like, look at Kawhi, how his time kind of has to be managed. And I don't have a problem with that. But how do we know that's not going to be Clay for the rest of his career? Because I'm not saying that the injuries won't heal. But what I'm saying is that that's two major injuries, one on each leg. And so how do we know? Like, is he going to be able to, like, have his lateral motion the same? Is he going to be able to play defense, like, the whole game for, like, 40 minutes when you need him in a playoff situation you know like 
we don't know if his body is going to hold up to that. And what science has told me, what history has told me, what past NBA players is that it won't. So why is play going to be different? People are looking at Kevin Durant this year. Kevin Durant didn't also have an ACL. Kevin Durant also got 18 months to recover versus Clay, who's probably only going to have about a year, maybe slightly over a year. And that assumes that they don't bring him back right to start the season, right? And we still, Kevin Durant was injured a lot this year. I don't know if it was because of the Achilles. Was he? Look, some people say they were playing it safe. I don't know. But my point is that he definitely did get some injuries and he's just now hitting the playoffs. We have to see Kevin Durant do a deep playoff run and he, yes, he's playing well. He's Kevin Durant. He's great. But if you're really paying attention closely, there are some differences to his game right now. He's playing and we just got to see how he holds up. But what history has told us is that um, there are changes and I, the argument that people always make is like, oh, Clay's going to be fine. He's shooting. And like I said, his defense matters. And I think you need good legs to have defense. <laughs> to be a good sure. <laughs> But you also need your legs, too, for your shooting. So, I mean, it's like people. But I, I do think that his shooting is going to be fine. But, I mean, I think the other thing that also gets overlooked with Clay is that, you know, like I said, the, the time, there was another point I was going to make and I lost it. So it'll come back to me. But I just, I just think that people are, they're, they're putting a lot on what Clay can do. And, oh, I know what it is. The other thing people always talk about is like, well, Clay's game doesn't rely on his athleticism. So, but I actually think that that hurts Clay more than it helps him. Because if you look at a player like John Wall, if you look at a player like Dom, Dominique Wilkins, those were the successful Dominique Wilkins is really the main person who people point to as a success coming back from an Achilles, right? Mm-hmm. He was a freaky athletic player, mm-hmm. right? And so even if he comes back losing some of his athleticism, he's still going to be really, really good because he was freaky athletic. Okay, that's I, not, see, I see where you're going with this. Right, that's yeah. not Clay's... Clay doesn't rely on athleticism, but that's also like not his build. Like that wasn't his body. And yeah. so when someone like him loses some of that, how good is he going to still be? Maybe he's going to still be great. I just don't know. So like, I got to see it. And that's all I'm saying. People, and, and, and I'm like a super optimist. Like most of Dub's Twitter would tell you, like Matt is always positive. Like I said, the Warriors were a contender this year. Everyone's talking about we was going to be out. I was like, fuck y'all. We're going to be seeing the Lakers <laughs> in the Western Conference Finals. So I am like a super optimist. And a lot of that is like my belief in Steph because I think he's right. just that good. But like, I need to see Clay come back. And so I'm a big person who operates on contingencies. I'm the person that when I buy something, I buy the insurance plan. And I don't understand (laughs) why people think that we should just be banking on Clay to come back. And what if he comes back in their struggles? Then what? I don't even want another season where Steph has to be dealing with bullshit until Clay can get ready and this can happen because that does wear on his body too. Like, even though he did it this year, I don't want multiple seasons of like that with like the way Harden was. 
So I want another wing on the squad. And I'd like a playmaking wing because, again, I love Clay, but he's not a playmaker. He can't dribble. Someone had this tweet that was like the funniest thing in the world. They were like, Clay dribbles like a Republican. Like, let's just be real about like, you know, Clay is not a playmaking wing, you know, like he has his limitations. And so I want someone who can come out there and, 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 and play defense and score. I want someone who can score and I want someone who can shoot. And there's a difference, right? right. Like, like when people like knocked Andrew Wiggins this year and I love Wiggins, I'm a fan of him. I'm like, I get that Clay is the better player and a hundred times I would choose Clay, but I don't want us to overlook that Andrew does bring things to the table. Yeah. Clay does not. Andrew can go and create for himself. He can isolate. He has a better handle. He can at least, he doesn't have a great handle, but he has a better handle. He can dribble the ball. He can do things and he can isolate in a way that Clay can't because Clay, the, the shots are created for him. That, that's what happens. That's, that's a great point. I, I didn't even think about it like that, but do, okay. So do you think the rumors of you guys going after Paul George or Kawhi Leonard is a, a possibility. I think that's a pipe dream. I mean, listen, I think that that all depends on what the Clippers do, right? And I personally, even when they went down 0-2, I thought the Clippers were going to win um, because when I watched the, the games, even Luca was shooting at a level above his regular level. But mm-hmm. let's say you say... He's a superstar, so that's what superstars do. I knew that the rest of the team wasn't going to be able to um, sustain that over the course of a series. And also, if you were paying attention to the Clippers, because people were making jokes on Paul George, but he had had actually been great like in that yeah. series. And, and Kawhi has been great. So to He's me, Kawhi, this, 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 this series, right. So I actually think Kawhi to this point, granted, it's only four days in, I actually think he's been the best player in the postseason so far. Not saying he is the best player, but I'm saying he's, to me, performed the best. And he's averaging something like 33, and I, I forget his his rebounding numbers are like close to closer to 10 than to the, to the bottom end. Um, I can't remember. It might be like eight or something like that. And I think maybe like four assists, something like that. But he's shooting like three percent or some shit like that like it's insane yeah his shooting splits right now are crazy it's like 60 40 63 47 88 like something along those lines in insane um kevin durant is around there in terms of the points he's at like 35 points i think um and he's like just over 90 percent on his free throws and he's shooting like 54%, which is obviously great and very KD-like, but the fact that, or he's shooting 57, but the fact that Kawhi is like 63 is like, especially when you consider who who's on Kevin Durant's team and also who he's playing. Like the Celtics are not as good as the Mavs, not this version of the Celtics because, right, they are missing a lot of guys. And Kevin Durant also has Kyrie and, 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 and James Harden on the team. So allow him to operate in a lot more space than 
than Kawhi does. I'm not, and I'm Kawhi has shooters and he has Paul George. So I'm not saying, but Katie clearly has the more, you know, offensive weapons on his team. And so yeah. it, look, it's a toss up and I would get people just from lean Katie because it's Katie. But I think to this point that Kawhi has been, I mean, Kawhi has been best. And I think even Embiid has been like, maybe has a case for it too. And so, um, I think it depends on what the Clippers do this year. And I, I really didn't think that they were going to lose to Dallas. And so in the second round, they could see either Memphis or Utah. I think it's likely to be Utah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because both teams are kind of viewed as fraudulent teams. So, and Utah is really good, but it's hard, you know, it's hard to say because they're playing the Grizzlies who are really young and inexperienced. Um, so I, I really can't say, and again, this is like foreshadowing because we don't know what's going to happen, but I still think that I would pick the Clippers in, in a series if it was versus Utah. So I, I don't see how you can maybe get to the Western Conference Finals and and who knows if it's even going to be the Lakers there. I mean, that's what everyone was assuming, but AD is out for the next game. I think, out, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a strong chance that the Lakers actually don't make it out. And so then you're talking about who are the team's remaining the, the 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 if you if if the if the suns if the blazers or if the nuggets those are one of the three teams that would be on the other side mm-hmm. i think the clippers beat any of those teams personally that that's what i think and so um then they'd make the finals so even if they lose it's hard to see a trip to the finals with them losing as a blow up the team we underachieved so a lot of that talk about Paul George and Kawhi was all based on how they were looking in those first two games and everyone like oh if they get bounced in the first round it it was all so premature so I really didn't um I didn't really like get into it too much and even if that happened I'm like look Jerry West is over there he did not leave the Warriors on the best terms like why would he want to help us? That is a good point. And also, like, why would he make that trade? <laughs> like, like, yeah. so the arguments that, look, there were some arguments that were kind of decent, but I, I always thought it was a long shot. So I don't know that that's going to be our trade partner. I would think a team maybe like the Raps, who you think are probably going to blow it up, might be like a more realistic trade partner, like a Siakam, someone like that. Um you know, I was kind of disappointed. I wish they would have went after Vooch, the guy who went to um, Chicago. I don't know how to oh, like. Vooch, Vooch. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it correctly, but like a a big man who can space the floor and shoot, playing with Steph. Like, yeah, his defense isn't great, but I thought that would have been great postseason help to him. Instead, he went to the Bulls, and so um, whatever. I'm not saying like I thought he was like this great, great person, but I I thought that having him as your center, it was probably better than having James Wiseman. Um, and, and so I, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. They're also looking at a situation where like, they kind of don't want to spend money. Like you have Kelly Oubre who, um, can walk. I want them to try to keep his salary slot at least, but it sounded like from comments that Bob Myers made that they, they, they don't want to. And I'm saying that based on the numbers, because he was asked specifically from a reporter it's 400 million too much to, to spend on your payroll. And he was like, yeah, I would say so. But if they were going to keep Kelly or his salary slot, 
it would be closer to 500 million due to like all the taxes. And I don't know this stuff that deeply, but that's my understanding. So if you if he's telling you 400 is too much, then clearly they're not really looking to keep him. And then I think another article came out saying like they would they would either do one or the other, like between him. No, like so like if they were to keep Kelly or the slot, then they wouldn't use the mid-level. And if and if they use the mid-level, then they're not doing the other. And I feel like that's awful personally. So um you're talking about like them really maybe just turning those draft picks that they get into something. Um, so I, I really don't know what the Warriors are gonna do, but like to me, we we need a veteran coming off the bench um who can actually contribute like Warriors fans are like I don't know they are in a state of like nostalgia but they're talking about bring Andre Iguodala back and I'm just like listen I can't fool with y'all because what y'all think Andre Iguodala is gonna come back and do now so to be to be a veteran on the bench and to coach the guys I prefer someone who can contribute and do that so I love Andre but and look it could happen I don't know but like they they need they need some a vet on coming off the bench, but they also need someone like a David West type who can contribute, yeah. and um, like they once had, and 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 that's what I'd like to see. Um, and you and they they really need though another wing, another wing who can you know score, shoot, and and be a playmaker. Um, and they you know that vet coming off the bench might need to be a center because they still need a reliable center like. Dre playing the small ball five is not what they want to play all game. Mm-mm. And Wiseman, while I think he can give you something, that can't be your only like real center. And so I was gonna say it might be smart for them to go after Al Horford. You know, I personally want Horford back in Boston. I think provided he gets bought out, I think that's where he would he's going to end up uh, going. But for the needs of Golden State, Horford would fill that veteran spot. Oh my God! Yeah, need of a need at the five. Of course, he's he's someone that can space the floor very well. <laughs> so I love Al Horford. I've said that, yeah. but I don't think the dollars will work. I mean, no, I think he's gonna get bought out though. That, that's what I'm saying. I, I think. I think. Have okay. you seen his contract? Yeah. I yeah. bought out for what? How much okay. money is he gonna leave on the okay. table? So how about this? I think in order for him to go, because he's not in OKC's future, like right. And and and, and and what's who's Presty is their guy. Yeah. He said they're gonna work with him next year to put him in a situation. But yeah. Presty wants picks, and I yeah. like I just don't know what team is gonna want to take on his contract. So I feel like it has to be a buyout situation. But his contract's big. How much his money is he gonna? Is leave, how much money is he gonna leave on the table? I'll even tell you this. I personally would trade Kimba Walker to OKC for Horford. Swap the contracts out. Clear as day. I yeah, would, but why I would, would Presty? Why would Presty do that? You have someone there that can be that can run with uh, uh, Gilgis Alexander. You know, just teach him a little bit. I, almost like that that Chris Paul role type type of type of player. Someone I, he, he's not he's not health wise. Kimba's not there anymore. No, Kemba is. I he. You guys need to replace him. I'm just saying that. Like, I think a lot. I think Al Horford could help a number of teams. I don't. I don't know what the solution is going to be to his contract because it's too big 
that I can't like it's not the typical contract that would be a buyout and yeah I think I think he's gonna end up taking a cut though because I, it, I, I it would be a massive cut it would be <laughs> it would be I don't it see why be. he'd do that but I don't I don't see so let's say let's say for example he were to do that I I don't see him just taking the vet minimum coming coming going to another team well no we would have so like here's the thing like if they if they kept Ubre's salary slot, right, but not Ubre, right. they would then possibly have something real mm-hmm. that they could offer mm-hmm. to get Al Horford. Um, and OKC is riddled with picks. Yeah, that's all. That's all. Presty wants is picks. Um, but even if you gave them picks you have to um, have salary to so like put with it for like Mm -hmm. to trade for Al Horford if that was the way you were going, which would mean sending out someone like Wiggins and uh, like we need to keep Wiggins. So So who um, else is expendable outside outside of Oubre and Wiseman? Because I'm assuming you would want to keep Wiseman with Horford. No, so I really don't have a desire to keep Wiseman, to be honest. Um, but I'm not, I'm not one of the people who thinks Wiseman is just like trash and won't amount to anything. What I do believe is that you're not going to realize the potential of Wiseman for at least two to three years, and so it just the timeline isn't right, you know. Maybe it's um, coaching too. Oh, it's it absolutely coaching because yeah, coaching is a large part of it, and also only having played two games and. And, and, and getting COVID and not being able to do camp. There, there was so much that happened to Wiseman this year. So I really don't like when people just shit on him. Yeah. Nonetheless, nonetheless, <laughs> the Warriors were going to bring KG in to work with him this offseason, which I love. That's and then he true. tore his, what was what did he tear his meniscus? Was that what it was? He got injured again. Yeah. So he may, they think that was like the good news that was recently reported that he's going to, um, be ready possibly for training camp but like again it's like he was going to work with kg and like now that's a missed opportunity i mean because bob just said like we were going to bring kg in but the thing is if you're going to put him out there with kg like he has to be ready oh yeah to go so he was like okay maybe we'll bring david west in to work with him but working with david west is not the same as like kg so um but either way like i mean like wiseman's really raw and i expected him to be raw but like what I was hoping for in the early days of Wiseman was a Clint Capella type, like like what he at least used to be in Houston back in the days. Okay. Love yeah. Yeah. you know, can get you some blocks, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, I just thought I didn't think that was his ceiling, but I thought like surely we he can be a lob threat and block some shots and rebound. Yeah, like they haven't had that. Right. Yeah, I know. Wow. Um, he was none of those things. <laughs> and 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 so that just lets you see that really even those basics, and maybe those aren't basics, maybe that's me being unfair to him, but I didn't, you know, and then Kerr was trying to like turn him into Hakeem, you know, he wanted his back to the basket and you know, and then he also wants him to pass like Bogut. Like, I mean, he was putting a lot on the kid. And so um yeah, I, I I don't have a problem with them trading Wiseman. And at least right now, their position is that Wiseman won't be included in any trades unless it's like a big star. 
I don't think they're going to consider Al Horford someone like that. And so now look, that position can move and change, but you know, but I, I think if they start to find out that Al Horford may be a buyout candidate and they think there's like a real number they can like get for him, then maybe that might inform like some of their decisions and what they do. But I, I just, I don't know. And I also don't trust this front office. So I'm a little nervous. I mean, but if you think about who Steph will have for next season, I actually think Steph, Clay, Andrew Wiggins as your third option is actually like pretty, pretty damn good team. You have Dre still anchoring the defense. Um, you know, you have uh, JTA, Juan, who was like a really big finding for us this year. Um, and he got his contract. So we, we have Juan, who's kind of like a, I don't like to say the poor man's Andre Iguodala. I hate that poor man's thing, but that's, you know, he's like a lesser Andre Iguodala, but he's like, his IQ is super high. And look, I slept on Juan. I, I wasn't a believer in him. Um, and he ended up being great. So you have him, you have the, the, um, the pool, Jordan pool discovery, um, which was huge. And I, I think he's going to only elevate again next year. Like I, I would love if Jordan could turn into like a CJ McCollum, like if that was like his ceiling and you have him as like your sixth man, that's pretty good. I mean, shit, even if he was like, um, What's the one? The one who just went to Atlanta. The one who's always six man. Williams. Williams. Yeah, I mean, I would like him to play some better defense than Lou, but, you know, um, even something like, I mean, any of those, that would be, like, great. So, but I, I you know, pool is promising. So you, you have him. Those are your main guys. Everyone else right now, I don't know. Like, Eric Pascal is not giving you much, and unless he actually learns how to shoot threes. In fact, I just wish he would change his whole shooting form because I hate that kick-out shit that he does. Um, his, oh, it's disgusting. I mean, he has a pretty reliable mid-range, but, like, on this team, he's going to need to, like, learn how to space the floor. So if Oubre isn't going to be back and coming off the bench, you know, who you have David Lee, um, Baysmore, who is a freaking moron, but um, in limited minutes, Baysmore is good. Like if he's like your eighth or ninth guy in limited minutes, when he has to start playing all the minutes later, good Lord. So, I mean, they have some decent pieces for the bench, but they, they have some, they need like two more like real guys. And so, I don't know where that's coming from. I think that's going to be interesting to see what happens with you guys next year. Cause I can't, I can't call it. Like I was trying to think of like a prediction for, for golden state. I can't think of anything. No, it's, it's going to be hard to pre- make predictions for them until we see what the roster is going to be like. And that's why I'm a little, look, the, the team is going to be much better. And I feel like with Steph and you consider what he did this year, you're always going to have a chance provided barring any injuries. Right. But it's a matter of like how they fill in on the margins. And I think, I think it's going to be something to watch to what happens with the other teams in the league. Right. Everyone is just making this assumption. The Nets are going to win, but what if they don't win? I mean, I don't see them breaking it up this year, but what if they don't win? What is that going to mean for their season? How are they going to change that team? If the Bucks do lose to them again, what is that going to mean for that team? 
right? If the Lakers do drop out after this first round, what is that going to mean for them? Because LeBron left Dwayne Wade because he couldn't stay healthy. Is he is is yeah. is, is AD going to be there or is he going to get shipped out? So I think you also have to understand like what's going to happen with other teams as well to kind of know like what things are going to look like, you know. So um, I I actually don't think that there's any. I think the best teams right now are honestly in the East. I never actually thought the Lakers were the team that everyone was making them out to be. Great, great defense. Never a great offense. Um, and what if the Clippers do get over the hump and they look like a really great team? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's too many. You have to see how the postseason plays out and what Golden State does before you can really kind of get an idea of what they're going to be. But people just saying like, oh, Clay, you know, if, if Clay comes back and he's Clay, then yeah, I think that no one has proven really that they can be those three, you know, I, I, 2016 does not count to me. Like Stephen Curry was injured. Like, I don't want to hear shit. Like, yes, they won. They came back. Yes. All of that credit to them. Braun and Kyrie were huge. Kyrie hit the shot. Credit to them. Yes. A lot of things had to happen for you guys to still pull off that win. Wasn't it the year when he uh, injured his elbow? Who? Going into uh, Steph. There were mad injuries. The elbow was like the least of them. He yeah. he had the sprain, but the biggest one was the MCL. He had the ankle sprain, and then he came back and he slipped on the web spot, and it was the MCL sprain. And that's right. That's what really took him out, and um, he was compromised the rest of the postseason. And so. Um, that was the biggest thing. And then you had, you know, Stray getting suspended. Then you lost uh, um, Bogut for the last couple of games, the last two and a half games. He's your rim protector. People think there's no coincidence that like Kyrie and, and Braun just started driving straight to the rim mm-hmm. when, when both. That's, that's one of the biggest losses of that, that final is that it's really underrated, but was big. You also had Andre Iguodala who started having all those back spasms. And he's like one of your best defenders who you need to put on like, you know, Braun. So um, it really um, was just a very like unfortunate confluence of events. It was like a perfect storm and it benefited the Cavs. And again, you still have to credit Braun and, and Kyrie. They had to like play at a like super high level to even still pull it off. But you don't convince me that like, you know, the outcome wouldn't have been. And when people tell me like, well, what about the year before? Kyrie and Love were missing. I don't give a shit. That team won 67 games. The Warriors were the better team. And history tells us the better team usually wins. You know how many yeah, teams yeah. have won 67 games in the NBA? Like, it's just ridiculous. So, but there's a there's the other thing, the, the other elephant in the room, which is Draymond and his horrid, horrid offense. And that is a change that's occurred that did not exist then. So there are things that got to be addressed. I mean, 